Welcome back to week 42 of Weekly Finds. In this week, I am testing a new format, which is called Quick Finds, where at the beginning of the show or of the article, I give you a couple of quick bites of information and news that I found on the web, and then I'll dive into the longer format of Weekly Finds. I'm very curious what you think of that, so please leave a comment um, or give me some feedback. I would really appreciate it. Let's start with Quick Finds. The first one is an announcement from Google about new additions to Google Ads. First of all, Google is showing rising retail categories in Google Ads. So re rising retail categories are pretty much like Google Trends. And Google will also show forecasting data that is supposed to help advertisers better understand which product categories are currently trending and which might be trending in the future even more. Google is also launching a new automated campaign format that's called Performance Max Campaigns that stretch across all advertising inventory. So you can basically advertise on the Google Display Network, YouTube, Gmail, Discover, Google Search, um, et cetera, et cetera. And this new format basically allows advertisers to very quickly spread their ads with one piece of creative across the whole universe of Google. And that to me is a very classic move of platform confluence. And if you're not familiar with that concept, I wrote a full article about that on my site. So just go to kevin-inic.com, uh, look for a platform confluence and you get a fill in on what that is. The second quick find is an article about Google, but not from Google. It's an analysis from Marketplace Pulse that shows that the free Google shopping tab doesn't work as well as expected. The problem is that Google really doesn't have much to offer against Shopify or Amazon. And the third quick find is from Google again, so very Google heavy this week. Um, and the topic is um, web stories. So web stories are something relatively new. You probably know stories from Instagram or YouTube or now even LinkedIn. And uh, Google wants their piece of the pie as well. They recently teamed up with the AMP project to bring web stories to Google search. And now they also display them in Google Discover. So another classic case of platform confluence. One. The first article comes from the friendly folks of Siege Media and is about link building in very techy or niche industries. The problem commonly is that if you have a quote unquote unsexy industry, link building can be really challenging. So Siege Media explains that it makes a lot of sense to look for broad topics to create content around them and then do outreach for those. So you basically want to abstract your key topics to the next higher level and see if there's a broader demand there. But then also when you create topic, uh, but also when you create content for broader topics, so basically you create very generic content, but try to pitch it from different angles. You also want to use tools to find topics that gain lots of passive links. So for me, the key lesson here was that, you know, when in doubt or when you have a very niche, small, narrow market, broaden it up, abstract it a level higher, or maybe even two level higher. An example for me would be, you know, if you have a startup that creates or builds sensors to track people who walk through buildings, I've seen that actually live, that's a real example. You then want to abstract it to the next higher level, which is people movement monitoring or people movement measurement, and then see you know if you have a higher chance to build and gain some links in that vertical. Two. 
Number two is an article from Reforge. And I feel like every week I present an article from Reforge. Their content has been really good lately, and this one is no exception. It's titled, Why Most Analytics Efforts Fail, and explains the common problem of messy data due to not having a shared language, knowledge transfer, or trust in the data. That's the problem with most companies. They don't make data accessible, and they also don't think about the actual customers and users of that data. Reality is that most times, people who actually use the data are not analysts. They're business people, marketing people, sales people. Um, so just measuring things is not enough. You need to make the data accessible. One really cool idea that was mentioned in this article is to create data dictionaries that explain every metric, but also add visualizations so that people can have a visual understanding of what that data actually means. To me, the key point here was the idea of tracking journeys. So instead of just tracking single data points, the concept here is to track a data point and its intent, also what failure looks like and then what success looks like. So one example would be, instead of just measuring button clicks, you also wanna understand what people try to achieve when they click a button and then track what failure and success looks like. So success in this case would be people getting to the page that the button refers to. Failure would be that people see a 404 or that the button doesn't really load. Three. The third article for this week is an analysis by newsletter crew about improving welcome emails in newsletters. So what they did is they looked at 70 different newsletters and first of all, they realized that most writers don't use the full potential of welcome emails. What they also found is that most successful welcome emails have very creative subject lines instead of just the very generic, you're on the list. So people really put some thought in those welcome emails because they set the tone for the rest of the relationship. Good welcome emails also include links to your social accounts and highlight some of the best issues of your newsletter. The key point for me here is that welcome emails are kind of the entry points to solidify the connection with your subscribers and set the tone for the relationship. And so you wanna make sure that you have kind of a, um, a casual voice with people, but also allow them to immediately engage with your newsletter again, whether it's on social accounts or some of the best articles you wrote, past issues, the article archive, or whatever else you wanna include. Also, this article is really worth reading because it features a lot of really cool, successful best practices and examples. The fourth and last article for this week is another experiment from SearchPilot about restructuring HTML. SearchPilot tested what happens when you load the main content before things like the sidebar or the footer, which kind of makes intuitively sense, but in reality, it's often not the case. The thesis here was that by loading the main and important content faster, users have a better experience because they get to their answer quicker. And of course, as you can imagine, and to me, the key takeaway here is that the experiment resulted in a positive traffic uplift, in this case, in 16%, which is pretty significant. Now, for a longer time, Google has actually um, educated webmasters, developers, and SEOs to focus on the critical rendering path and put metrics out in the world that help people to optimize for the time to answer. 
And the way that I personally think about SEO in a lot of cases and also page speed is how quickly can users get to the core value of that page, which usually is the answer. So in plain terms, how quickly can people be satisfied coming to a page? And then how fast some of the other elements around that load is much more secondary. That's it again for this week, folks. I would really appreciate some feedback or comments on this new format, meaning on the quick finds at the beginning of the podcast and the article. And I'll hear you next week.